Got a chance to be in Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii uh, for seven days following Christmas. Actually, we left on Christmas evening, arrived in Kona at 12.30 a.m. Thanks to travel challenges, but everyone was facing those, and we made it. So we were very grateful for that. What a gift that was to be with extended family and uh, it just enjoy, be able, for me to be able to regulate in a way that uh, in, in the ocean with feet in the sand, uh, to be reminded that there are warm places in our world no matter where you are, and uh, gives me hope. Fills me. I, I really, I almost didn't come back, but Catherine said I had to, so here I am, and you're welcome, maybe, we'll see. Uh, you know, leading up to it, we, we, our family, we've always, besides the three winters we lived in Wisconsin, we've always been able to live near our, our family, an extended family, so holiday times, uh, we're here. This is the first time we've ever traveled, actually, uh, outside of, of our area on, on the ho- holiday, and so... Um, yeah, planning and preparing for all of the events of Christmas and trying to pack and prepare for a trip uh, was a lot. And uh, it felt like we were packing and preparing for days leading up to it. And this might sound strange, but bear with me. We knew where we were going. We knew how we were going to get there. We knew what the weather was going to be like mostly. And furthermore, Catherine and I had been to Kona. It's been 15 years, but uh, we were looking forward to going back. It was somewhat familiar. Now imagine trying to prepare for a journey or a trip where you didn't know where you were going. You didn't know how you were going to get there or how long it was going to take. You'd never been there before. And you certainly didn't know what the weather was going to be like. Would anyone go on that trip? (laughs) Most of us would stay put. It would take an incredibly adventurous spirit or pure foolishness to embark on that kind of a journey. Or, or, two other options. It would mean your current present circumstances are so harsh, hard, or awful, that it would feel like anywhere is better than here. Put me on that plane, put me on that road, put me on that path. Give me one bag, I'll take whatever I can, and and I'm out, I'm out of here. So that's one option, and maybe some of you feel like you're in that place, or have been for months or, or years. Anywhere must be better than here, just give me the ticket. I don't care what it says, I'm out. Or, There's someone that you trust who's been to the destination and says it's going to be worth it. I promise you it'll be worth it. The journey may not be easy, may not be where you expect, but I promise you will not regret it. Perhaps that's how we enter into a new year and a new story. What a segue to a message series about a people who set out on an unknown journey following a promise that it would be worth it, that it would be good, but that journey was longer and harder and more unexpected than they wanted 
or could have prepared for. They were trying to hang on to a promise, wanting to believe and to hope, but often in the journey failing and faltering, wanting to turn back and give up. And perhaps that describes all of us in some ways, thinking of these past few years and the length of an unexpected journey that we've all traveled together as our world has truly changed. Often faltering, wanting to go back to how things were, but if we truly remember, was, was back good? <laughs> Trying to hold on to a promise that something better could be. You know, throughout this past fall on our message series, we've, we've taken some short walks relatively uh, through some topical themes. What happens next? The church is, and then lament the sister of Advent. Relatively short, maybe not easy walks. So are you ready for a longer one? Don't answer that. Consider it. Rhetorical. Almost certainly won't be easy, but it does largely depend on how we engage and how we respond to this story and to this message that I'm feeling led into again. I know there will be various responses, if I'm still teasing this out. Here's one. Well, last week, Catherine, actually this week, Catherine was opening Amazon packages in the other room after coming back from vacation. Why they keep coming, I'm not sure. We thought we had ordered everything. Some was delayed, but that's just the reality of our household is it's always boxes and packages on our front door. I'm sure some of you can relate. So she's opening up packages. I'm in the other room doing something. She says, oh no, Ben, come here. A paraphrase, but I think I kept capturing this. I have no idea what's going on. She's just opened a package. What have I forgotten? What gift did I not give her? So I walk into the room and she's holding up two Exodus commentaries and says, you're not preaching through Exodus, are you? <laughs> And I smiled and said, no, <laughs> I'm preaching a Walking with God series. And Exodus just so happens to be our guide <laughs> in this journey. So maybe perspective. Today, just a step, maybe not even a step, maybe a tiptoe I invite you into or a toe in the water Maybe it's more like you've just gotten your bags out for this hypothetical journey and you're looking at your closet or your wardrobe and you are wondering if you should even pack or what to pack. So however we might come and approach this, I invite that openness and that spirit and that wondering because I think that resonates with the story as a whole. Ironically, I've been dragging my feet to preach through this series uh, two years ago, at the beginning of 2021, uh, I was inspired, I felt, to walk through uh, Exodus as a guide. I think from early on in the pandemic, those in some of my sphere, maybe you heard this analogy too, was, were we entering into an Exodus kind of time, uh, walking into the wilderness, into a new place, or were we... Uh, entering more into an exile kind of time, if you know the story of Israel, much later in their story where they were exiled. And, and it was an incredibly harsh time before God would renew and redeem. Well, which was it? What's a better metaphor or parallel? Certainly, I think we can glean from both. And I was inspired considering 
And some of you know the story of Exodus, this famous story of God's people journeying from slavery in Egypt into the promised land, but that being a journey that was much longer, that took nearly 40 years uh, than they ever would have expected or prepared for. Going into 2021, I truly felt we were in this long journey still through the pandemic. It was not going to end quickly. Here we are nearly three years later. Still wondering about no date circled on a calendar, but how will we pass through? And I was inspired to walk through Exodus and just meditate on that story every day. I ended up vlogging on it. Some of you followed along with that journey. It still lives uh, on YouTube that you could follow along if you wanted to. I'm not sure how applicable that is two years later, but I was able by God's grace to walk every day, to walk a mile or more every day and to meditate and pray through the story of Exodus Without commentaries, simply just reading the text, uh, praying and asking God to speak and to reveal. So that's been a journey for me that's been stirring. So in some ways, I knew that at at some point, likely, I would preach through and teach through this story. And here we are a couple years later, and I'm feeling led to do so. I still don't know fully how to approach it. It's a long story. It's 40 chapters. When the chapters were added to to the story, to the book, centuries after it was written, uh, certainly there was intention. 40 years in the desert, let's put 40 chapters in here. One chapter to reference every year of this journey. The story breaks into two halves. We won't take it verse by verse. I don't think it lends itself to that as a story. And really the entire second half is on the building of the tabernacle, which would later become the temple uh, and God's presence dwelling with his people. And so as we walk this journey, it's only loosely mapped out before me, and I'm excited to to walk through it uh, with you, and I invite you to that. Maybe it's been a long time since you've read through the story. Maybe you've never read through the story. I invite you in this coming week to begin that journey, however you might receive it. And maybe a chapter a day, maybe a few verses, uh, maybe there's other ways to listen to it as you walk. I think there's some other reasons, though, not just that I've walked through this story and have some sense of preparation for it. I think significantly, more significantly than that, apart from the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, the story of Exodus is the premier story of redemption, of God's redemption and deliverance of his people, rescuing them out of actual slavery and delivering them into a place of abundance, forming them along the way to be his people. And certainly the gospel writers, the writers of the the Greek scriptures, the New Testament as we might call it, uh, referenced this story repeatedly, assumed that the readers of their writings and letters would have known this story inside and out. And they made a connection spiritually to the deliverance and rescue that God does for all of us. In fact, if you don't understand, if, if, actually we, if we don't understand the story of Exodus, we will fail to understand the gospel in its fullness. The writers of, of those scriptures just assume at times referencing the story. The transfiguration of Jesus would be a great example. If we don't understand the story of Exodus, we will totally miss what the gospel writers are trying to communicate in the transfiguration of Jesus, Matthew 17, as as an example. And there's many like that. They don't explain what's happening. They assume we already know. So I think that's vital for us in understanding the full story of God. I'm excited to preach through Exodus and find Jesus really on every page. 
It's the way that the New Testament writers write. They see Jesus as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And Jesus himself taught his disciples that way. You may remember Luke 24, after Jesus raised from the dead and began to appear to the disciples, he started to open their eyes to the understanding of the full story. Now, his disciples, mostly Jews, fully would have known and, and even maybe memorized the story from Exodus. Jesus was opening their eyes to see how he was the fulfillment of it. He says this a couple different places. Luke 24, 27. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to his disciples what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Pretty bold, radical claims from Jesus that this whole story, really the only thing that the disciples would have considered scriptures at that time, the Hebrew scriptures, Jesus was saying they're all about me. Though Exodus never names Jesus, he shows up page after page, story after story. We want to make those same connections. I'm humbly aware of how woefully short I will fall of that kind of Bible teaching. How great that would have been to be taught by Jesus himself. And yet trying to enter in at least with that heart and that perspective. That there's no other way to rightly understand this ancient story without through the lens that Jesus tells us to have, that it's all ultimately meant to point to him, the redeemer, the savior, the Passover lamb, the manna from heaven, the bread of life, the living water, the water from the rock, the one who leads and guides like a good shepherd into a place of freedom and hope and provision. On and on, we see the gospel story through this ancient one, a story of God's redemption, faithfulness, grace, and miraculous presence with his people. So I pray that we can enter into it in that way. I believe that Exodus as a story, I think it's a theological history or an allegorical history. I believe that's the way the ancients wrote. It, it did happen, but the way they wrote was meant more to reveal who God was and therefore who they were meant to be than trying to be accurate to a historical document as we might write it today. More on that as we move into it. But we are meant, I believe, to receive it as much as our ancient history and who God is and what he has done, but also as an allegory to what he is always wanting to do for his people. And that's how we can enter into this spiritual pilgrimage, so to speak. When God calls us, invites us to walk with him, to trust him into the unknown places, into our own wilderness times, Sometimes we just find ourselves there not realizing that we have been walking or on a journey all along. No, no question, we will doubt, we will struggle, we will falter at times. But God will be with us. Even in the taxing journey, 
we will be tested to go back, even though we know back isn't good, it was at least familiar. And God will beckon us forward with him. He is always longing for us to grow spiritually and ultimately to know him more. The primary way that we grow in faith, I think, is parallel to the bodies that we have. I think they're meant to show each other, they're meant to speak to each other. How do your bodies grow stronger? Your lungs, your heart, your muscles, only through resistance. Hopefully it's structured and healthy resistance as we maybe walk or jog or run while we put our bodies under resistance to strengthen our muscles. None of that is easy. None of it is desirable. It's hard effort. We do it because we know it produces results. It strengthens. We pray it makes us more able for the life and the work that God has. We pray that it might potentially even extend the days or the years we have as we steward the one body that we have. When we make that parallel spiritually, the only way to truly grow is through that exercise, exercise of trust, of faith, of movement, of going and enduring, even when it's hard, even when we're uncertain, even through the doubts and the questions that we may have. And in all of this, I believe we'll come to know God more because he is with us. He is on the road. We'll see in Jesus as we keep making the connection to Jesus that Jesus regularly, we saw this in Mark, if you walked with us through Mark, that Jesus would, would go to the desert places. The word in Greek is the eremon. It's the same word when the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek. It's the same word for wilderness and desert that the Israelites walked into. Jesus would intentionally withdraw to those places to commune with God, to be with him, to pray. And he longed for that place. It seems a little contradictory that we would actually pursue the wilderness kind of places, the desert places, to find God, to be with him. Maybe it's simply to remove all distractions, to be able to walk with and hear his voice. The Apostle Paul had no higher prayer for the church as he wrote to the church in Ephesus. And we, we've studied that book together as well. We receive it as his prayer for all the saints, not just in this region near, near the city of Ephesus, but the, it, this is his heart expressed to all the saints everywhere. And he has no higher prayer than this in Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power for us who believe." I read this and I can't imagine that he doesn't have the full story of God in, in mind and maybe even specifically this story of Exodus. As we are on this spiritual journey, I pray that our, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know him more to what he has called us to, to the inheritance that is meant to be ours, to the incomparable riches that he wants to give us 
for Israel, a land of freedom, a land flowing with milk and honey, it's described, an abundant land, a fertile place, meant to symbolize what God wants to do for them spiritually. And we too are called as God's people in the same way, onto the same kind of a journey, longing for more of God's presence, longing for an expression of heaven on earth, to know him more fully. I believe that as we journey, we will both find him with us and know his provision and abundance more fully. And it is my prayer for you and for us as we journey together. May we all pray more like this for our loved ones, our families, our friends, our church, our community in 2023. I'm gonna leave off that scripture and keep going. How do you prepare for a journey when you don't know the destination, as I've been hinting at? When you don't know how long it will be, what challenges or trials you might be asked to overcome, will you even go? And that's what I want you to wrestle with this week as you think about the coming year. The journey or the the growth that God is inviting you to experience this year. Each one of us enters 23 together in some ways. So many commonalities of where we live, learn, work, and play. But so many differences of life stages or circumstances of the previous year or two years of what the pandemic has been like or done to our family personally or our extended family, but I'm inviting us all into a journey to walk with God, at least in this coming year. I do believe he's always inviting us, if not calling and beckoning us to greater spirituality, to greater freedom, to greater formation in him, to greater community to greater awareness and experience of his presence. I believe our heart and our soul should long for those, long for hope to return. Each of these are emblematic of God's kingdom and of his character, and I believe our hearts should resonate for them. And if we don't believe it, it should be because it sounds too good to be true. I simply can't believe, God. Help me in my unbelief. To get to those places requires trust, requires faith, it requires risk, it requires endurance as we fail and falter, as we face trials and even fear. Are we ready? We either must be desperate to move on from the places we've been, desperate for hope to return, or we must be compelled. Compelled that there is more that God intends for us, individually, for our family, for our broader community, for our church. Compelled that there's more. That what we are presently experiencing is not the full freedom in God that he wants for us. In some ways, that must always be true 
as we seek to follow him and know him because his kingdom promises are not fully yet experienced. Why else would Jesus teach us, above all, to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus himself, standing on the very earth, saying that to his disciples, he has come, and yet his kingdom is not yet fully come. So pray that way. So we both always long for the one day that is not yet. But in that very prayer, we say, as far as it depends on us, we want to walk in and know your kingdom now. And there is more. And our hearts long for more. May we be compelled. It's possible that we as a collective people in this society have more wealth than any other people in the history of the world. It's certainly up there if you start to measure wealth by the things we probably take for granted every day. Walking within our own homes to any number of various places and moving a lever for clean, drinkable water to flow. There are simple things to measure the true wealth that we have. If that's possible, that we as a collective society and people may have as much wealth and riches and abundance as any other people that have ever lived in the history of our world, how is it we seem to be some of the least content, at peace, hope-filled, joy-filled people who have ever lived? Maybe there is something more that God is inviting us to. And maybe it's not the abundance of his gifts and his riches that bring fulfillment and contentment, but maybe it is his presence and his presence alone that we would long for and strive for. I believe it's what he's inviting us to. So I invite you, take this coming week, consider your readiness to go on a new journey, a new spiritual journey. Some of us have felt stuck. Maybe this is more than just a spiritual metaphor. You felt stuck, trapped, oppressed, enslaved even, perhaps spiritually enslaved to sin or habits. Perhaps this is your reality and you long to believe that freedom and deliverance and hope and healing is possible. And I believe this story reminds us of those promises. So I hope you're ready. For others of us, we're okay with where we're at in life, spiritually. We're okay. We know there's probably more, but we've at least acquiesced to, isn't this good enough? Because the more, the gr more growth that God might want for us is not easy. I know that journey is hard. I'm not ready for it. Maybe just stay put. I pray that 
we who find ourselves in that place could enter, I invite you to enter this week with open hands and open heart. God, what are you inviting me to and calling me to? Not Pastor Ben, not his timing of, or trying to sense the Spirit's timing of what to walk through and study and look together in this, this year, but God, you, what are you inviting me to? And will that parallel with a journey that is inviting and calling others to? Three simple practices I'll give you. Some of you like to be super tangible, simple but not easy. Simple because any of us can practice these, even kids. We can start to figure out how to practice these. These are spiritual formation practices. Certainly not an exhaustive list. It's more than three. But these three things have been as transformative in my spiritual life as any other things. They're not the only practices that I practice, but they've been as transformative as any other things. So I invite you this week to practice these every day. Could you do it? And just see if God asks you to extend any of them as we walk through this coming year. So one, walk. Two, wake. Three, thank. Almost an alliteration, but it's jarring enough that it's not that maybe you'll remember them. Walk, wake, thank. As I mentioned two years ago, I walked every day. I'm, I'm inviting you to walk every day. Some of you already do this. Steps are good for you. It's good for your health. Maybe it's around the block. Maybe it's around the house. Maybe it's a couple miles. Maybe it's a hike. I, whatever it looks like. Get moving. Move your body. I think everyone in this room today, by God's grace, is able to walk. Some slower than others. Some with a limp. Some with assistance. Others, you may be watching online or hearing this later, you're, you are not able to walk, and I'm conscious of that. I hope you are able to move by God's grace, or others could help you move. Be a moving people, a people of movement. If you are able-bodied and can walk a mile, walk a mile. What I'm inviting you to, for those especially who walk with, for exercise, is some portion of that walk to slow down, saunter, like really slow down, take the earbuds out. I'm a, I'm a full fan of, I walk my dog every day, of walking, listening to music or to podcasts, redeeming that time. So be free. I pr praise God for those things. But for a portion of your walk, slow down, take out the noise, and just listen. Maybe pray. Certainly walking and praying is a regular rhythm for me. But don't go into it. I'm going to pray now. I'm going to do I'm going I'm, to, I'm going for it. Just listen. If by listening, prayers come to mind, pray them. Walk every day. Be people of movement. People who listen. This will help us in some ways resonate with this ancient walking people who are on a journey. God, I want to be a, a person who moves, who walks with you. Be with me. So walk. Two, wake. All of you wake up in the morning. You're here. But how do you wake up? Some of us need to wake up earlier. I'll let the Spirit do that one. How do you wake? And what is the first voice that you invite into your life every morning? 
My guess is for most of us, it's in the form of radio, for those who still listen to the radio, television pops on and a news feed, or more likely for many, the things you're holding in your hands right now, the first movement is to grab that device and let it speak to you. If it's email, whose voices are you going to get? If it's social media, they're in control. And the algorithms, not you. Own your mornings. Own your day. Win the day. Before you ever look at any other, any device or allow any other voice into your life, would you invite God's voice to speak? This is so simple and so difficult, I believe, for us. The voices of our world are just screaming at us, and we invite them in. We allow them in. So if you have really busy mornings, busy days, and you're, like, you're, you're, you're hitting snooze, 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 and then you're on the go, I invite you to hit snooze one last time. I'm not talking getting up two hours early and being on your knees in prayer and journaling and meditation and singing hymns. If God's inviting you to that, praise, praise him. I'm saying before you turn on any other voice, get up, get out of bed, get coffee if you need it, find a place to sit, that's not your bed, and simply invite God's voice into your life. God, would you speak today? I want to hear your voice today. Maybe you open the scriptures and read a, read a scripture, read a chapter. Maybe it's simply just a couple minutes to say, God, your voice today be first. Amen. And you grab your phone and you look at your day and it's full. Okay. I'm saying redeem your day. Win the day. Win the first moment. Beat the blankets and then make the voice of God be first. Wake up and awaken to him. Walk, wake, thank. A spirit of gratitude and thankfulness is vital and essential. May we become a people who are more filled with thanks than anything else. Doesn't mean we don't also bring our prayers and our petitions to God, but we are thankful. Some of you already do this. You pause and you give thanks before every meal. If not, resume that practice. Some of us, that's just rote. Make it new somehow. This story will remind us, the story of Exodus, to be thankful for two things that we probably take for granted, our freedom and our food. And there's an endless list of gratitudes that we should be pouring out to our God. But maybe we begin with those simple things. Part of that first wake-up practice, give thanks. Before your meals, give thanks. While you're walking, give thanks. At night, before you go to bed, give thanks. Simple practice. This is spiritual formation. These kinds of rhythms that we are intentional. And you're going to miss these things. You're going to forget. We are. That's what happens. God's grace is abundant. Renew it later, tomorrow, a new day. I invite you into these practices. And then we'll see how God leads us Maybe to extend them, to add to them, to adapt them as he leads and we walk a journey together. May we grow in every way into Christ, who is our head, to the knowledge and awareness of who he is, what he's done, 
Therefore, what he will always do and desires to do for his people. Are we ready? Let's pray, and then we'll respond. Father, we thank you in advance for the ways that you will fulfill your promises, the ways that you will fulfill your word. Jesus, you said in their Sermon on the Mount, you have not come to abolish the law or the prophets, all that was written, but to fulfill them, to help us to understand and to know your heart and your character more fully. And so we try to enter in to the story that you've been writing for thousands of years. May that ground us in some ways and may it inspire us and encourage us that we are not alone. That we too want to be a journeying people, a walking people with you on the road just as the disciples walked with you, Jesus, we want to walk with you, Holy Spirit, every day. We know that's where the formation and the transformation happens. But we also pray that that destination, the place we are headed spiritually, is abundant and is rich, is full of all the things you want to give to your people that that's a spiritual land flowing with milk and honey, one that we see and know the fruit of the Spirit in a relationship with you, that we are people that are filled more fully with love and joy and peace and patience and all that you would want to bring into our midst, that we would know your freedom, the freedom that comes through following you and trusting in you. For some here, they desperately need deliverance, rescue, a whole new scenery, a whole new circumstances. And for some, they don't feel that's even possible. I pray that you would speak hope to them today, that you would remind them that you are with them, you have not forgotten, you love them deeply, that mercy and grace and forgiveness is at the ready and is abundant in you and that you are not done with them. For others of us who feel simply acquiesced, settled into less than ideal but comfortable, Lord, may your voice be the one that speaks to us, that calls us and beckons us to move, to grow to continue to change, that we would know you more. I pray that now you receive the prayers of your people as they are praying them, as they are thinking thoughts, they become prayers, requests. And that you would make us a people of gratitude. Remind us of all of the things we have to be thankful for. And even if they're not, even if the list isn't long for our present circumstances, for the hardship we face, the trials or the pain or the suffering, our list is long for who you are, for what you have done, and for the promises you have made. We thank you, God. We thank you. May these prayers of thanks continue as we sing, as we break bread together, as we share. 
We commit these next moments to you, the rest of this morning, but more than that, this coming week, our coming days, convict us, compel us, encourage us, and walk with us, we pray. Amen.